<clears throat> We're back! Judah, it's literally been so long. It's actually been a few We've recorded this intro several times. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Um, Let's just move past it. Entirely my fault. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, guys, we're British Podcast. We started two years ago, and then me and Emma fell off the face of the earth after two episodes, because life just got too hard for us to continue. <laughs> yeah. But now we're back, and we're better than ever. Mostly. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited about the episode we have for you guys today, so. No, me too. Like I, I said, like... this is British Podcast. We are a chaos recap. Uh, recap. <laughs> recap podcast now <laughs> before our format was i read the book emma read the book and we talked about it for like super long but now because <laughs> none of I, us can none of us are concise and to the point so <laughs> i really hope i'm concise and to the point this time but Dude, me too now um my only sole purpose my health has allowed me to have my only sole purpose in life to be recapping these books for emma and i think that that's yeah. important this is a full-time Absolutely. job now. It's become a mm-hmm. full-time job. So this Which episode is kind of fun for you. Because fun for me. I'm not sure if it's fun for you, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> no, I am having a great time, but also I am running off of like three hours of sleep. So I don't know if it's fun or if I'm just crazy right now. <laughs> That's the fun of it. We never know. Yeah, Maybe you'll wake up and it wasn't even real. It's Yeah, exactly. It's like, who knows? Am I having a good time right now or am I even awake? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> the episode we have for you guys today is TikTok books that have gone viral on BookTok. Um, I want to preface this by saying my For You page might not be the same as your For You page, but if you want to see us cover a book, you're more than welcome to reach out on social medias when we get that back up. Um, but these are like books that I've seen so many times, or people talking about it online, or just all of that. And some of these books I read when I was like 11. Um, Emma, you got anything to say about that? <laughs> oh no, like same. I there there's some of them that like I heard about when I was like eleven or twelve. Um and it that shit changed the chemistry of my brain, honestly. Too so true. true. The first book um, that we're doing changed changed altered <laughs> my brain chemistry. Altered my biology, really. Honestly, yeah. No, yeah, so I, like, haven't, yeah, I, there's there's some that we're going to cover in the future that, like, I'm excited for because we someone, one of the authors, some of the authors really just, they created that. They bought that. Maybe not, but they did. Some of these authors, I'm like, why did you put, why did you type this? Yeah, like, they really, like, thought this, and they were like, yeah. And yeah. it went through I'm editing. This, I'm sending this to the publishers. And the publishers published it, too. All of the editors were like, yeah, this is good shit. <laughs> and no one even, no one was even like, hey, this is maybe some ass. <laughs> no one said that. Like, it just hurts. It hurts. It like, hurts, it hurts so much. Bro, people really are getting everything. Should we go through the list now of uh, the books that we're going to do? Yeah. So I think we should. By alphabetical, alphabetical order by <laughs> author. We're going to start with Six of Crows by Leia Bardugo. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced any author's name. I love you. Slay. Um, 
The Cruel Prince by Holly Black, Bones and All, Camille DeAngelis, The Summer I Turned Pretty series by Jenny Han, Colleen Hoover, It Ends With Us, Sarah J. Moss, <laughs> A Court of Thorns and Roses, and A Court of Mist and Fury, Shatter Me by Tahara Mafe. I'm, I hope I pronounced that right. Tahari Mafe, maybe. Uh, Kane's Jawbone by E. Powers Mathers, If He Had Been With Me by Laura Nolan, uh, Bridgerton by Julia Quinn, and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom Riggs. Any thoughts on that, Emma? What are your thoughts? What jumps out at you? What are you excited for me to recap for you? I'm pretty excited for um, A Court of Thrones and Roses, Bridgerton, and I think. Oh, and It Ends With Us. Um, because they're for, like I said, they're, they are for a specific genre. Their choice. specific, not a genre. They're, hello, it's in a genre. But, like, they're, they're meant for, like, a specific demographic. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I'm a part of that. (laughs) But I love to try. I love to try to be. Um, it's so, it's, it falls, for me, it falls in the category of, like, so bad it's good, but also like it makes me viscerally angry. Should you know? Get into it then? Absolutely. Okay, I'm so excited. So, like I said, our first book is Six of Crows by Leia Bardugo. Um, my age rating for this book would be 16 plus, even though my first encounter with this book, I was maybe 11 or 12. <laughs> um, funny story about this book. This is the first time. I read the word fuck in a book when I was younger. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool. That's Dude, cool. This is a side tangent, but the first time I ever read any um, curses or anything in a book, um, I was on a road trip to Louisiana with my family. This is just me trauma dumping now. Um, <laughs> I was on a road trip to Louisiana with my family and um i bought it on amazon my mom literally helped me buy it because i didn't have a concept of what money was so i bought it and my dad has a kindle so he was like it shows up in the amazon library because i used their amazon account um he literally yelled at me on the car in the car like on the way there um about it because he like opened the book and read like the first page and there was a curse and he was like emma how could you do this and i was like all right this is this is fun, but he bought me. It's okay though because he bought me, um, he bought me this really cool ring. For, as a <laughs> so it's okay, it's like as your dad. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, my dad is a little silly. <laughs> silly goofy. It's a good time though. It's a it's a good time though. Sometimes, it's a good time. maybe. Okay, can we get into <laughs> the characters of these books? Absolutely. I mean, this book, it is a duology. It's the first book part of the duology. The first one is this one, Six of Crows. The second one is Crooked Kingdom. I'm not going to cover Crooked Kingdom because it's, this book, this book is being turned into a Netflix season. It's called Shadow and Bone. Check it out. Even though it's, they twist a little bit, but you know what? Leia, I love it. it was entertaining. It was entertaining as hell, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's accurate. If you're looking for a TV show, book accurate TV show, it's definitely not one of it, but it's definitely a ride. It's a ride. Yeah. Oops. My <laughs> <own>. <laughs> Excuse me. So the characters in our book are Anij Gaffa, Kaz Brecker, my love, um, Jasper Fahey, Waylon Van Eck. Oh, he's a Van Eck. You already know that's a fancy name. Uh, Matthias Helver, and the setting is in Ketterdam. This book was published September 29th, 2015. I hope this was right. 
I really like I tried so hard to find it, but like I got so many different dates. So I hope this is right. It's crazy that it came out that long ago because it really it feels like a recent like book. No, so then for sure I would have been 12 because I remember when this book came out and I got when I wanted to look for something to read. I was in the teen room in the library. Shout out to the library. Miss Sarah. Um, She's a real one. She's a real one. She was like, you're going to love this book. Read it. It just came out. It's brand new. So I was 13 in 2016. So I was definitely 12 when this book came out. That's scary. I don't like how time Um, works. Crazy, right? Each chapter, this book is really cool because each chapter is told in a point of view of a character. So we get insight on who they are, their backstory, their innermost thoughts, how they're like feeling a person. Like, uh, it's just, uh, I love love that because I am a nosy bitch. So (laughs) I love that. Because I also, okay, I'm a nosy bitch with control issues. So <laughs> that's all you're gonna say. Everything. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Like, I have to know everything. And yeah. So the genre is fantasy, YA, which stands for young adult. I'm just gonna say YA, but I hope everyone understands that's young adults, romance, LGBT, magic, and adventure. Let's do about the author now. Leia Bardugo is an Israeli American. <laughs> best known for her Grisha verse novels so the shadow and bone trilogy the six crows duology and her latest book is the ninth house the second book is coming out january 10th guys i've heard a lot of great things about the ninth house i wish i added it to this but i, I didn't read it in enough time so maybe we will cover the night house eventually um, she's 47 years old she went to yale university so you know she's got that smart brain um, she's an educated girly educated girly an interesting fact about her is that uh one of the main characters in this book kaz brecker he walks with a cane and she says it's inspired by her osteocrosis i hope i'm pronouncing that right um she sometimes walks with a cane so that was like her inspiration and another fun fact about her is that she was a singer in like a punk rock band called captain atomic from 2006 to 2007 she is hell yeah she is a she's dude she's a badass honestly she's so cool like look up pictures of her she looks so dope i don't think i've literally ever looked at her <laughs> so i might do that because I, I have no idea what she looks like and i really love her writing style she just captivates you and it's just ugh, i love it so should we dive into the book oh, i think so <laughs> all right let's start with kaz brecker um oh maybe i should Maybe I should summarize the book for you so you know what's going on at least. <laughs> Before I get into the book, you're like, what's this book about? <laughs> Dude, honestly, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you're like, I'm just here for just here for a great time. I don't I'm in a constant state of confusion, so don't worry about it. Okay, Ketterdam, a bustling hub of international trade where anything can be ha- had for the right price. No one knows that better than criminal prodigy Kaz Brecker. Kaz is, op- Kaz is offered a chance at a deadly heist that could make him rich beyond his wildest dreams, but he can't pull it off alone. A convict for- with a thirst for revenge, a sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager, a runaway with a privileged past, a spy known as the Rat, a heart trender using her magic to survive the slums, a thief with an unlikely, a thief with a gift with an for unlikely escape. <laughs> Kaz's crew is the only thing that might stand between the world and destruction if they don't kill each other first. So that's on Goodreads. Um, on there, it's rated four, five and a half stars. So 
that's the audience rating, not my personal rating. We'll get into that. So let's get into <laughs> the story and the characters. So Kaz Brecker is the mastermind of the heist, said heist. His backstory slowly unfolds by like flashbacks throughout the book. Um, but his backstory is um, when his father died, him and his brother, Jordy, sold the family farm. They moved to the city of Ketterdam and his brother couldn't find a job, but then he ended up getting hired as a runner for like a stock market executive who ended up stealing all of their inheritance, like all the money that they got from their farm and like leaving them dirt poor. Then um, <clears throat> both Kaz and his brother contracted a plague that swept through Ketterdam and they were both assumed dead. And um, <clears throat> so they were like swept to like, you know, the like the ship of corpses that they do. I feel like in real history, they just burn corpses. But in this book, they like put it all like on a something and they put it in water. And I'm like, where is, where is it going to go? <laughs> no, literally. Yeah, I guess it's, gonna, I guess it's drawing from like, okay, first of all, though, I don't think that that would make any sense, especially if they had the plague. Um, <laughs> one would assume that they would want all of it gone. Right, burning it. Um, but slay for them, I guess. Yes. Maybe, they want, maybe they want someone else to run across it, run across it, and bring it back. Maybe they're they're planning, plotting, scheming. Yeah, but unfortunately, Jordy did die, and Kaz had to use his body as a buoy to help him swim ashore, which is super traumatizing. Um, ever since then, Kaz has worn gloves because he cannot stand the feel of someone else's flesh against his since he felt his brother, brother's dead body in the water. I can't imagine the sensory issues after that. Um, I get sensory issues with just having genes on my body, so I cannot imagine that. I get sensory issues with, like, the color yellow. I can't even explain it to you. It just happens. Um, but people, like, theorize why he wears, like, gloves and, like, what his what his deal is. Because, like, nobody knows. But, like, that's the real reason. So when Kaz arrives and makes it to shore, all, the, like, the gentleness and goodness, because he was, like, such a good boy before, just, like, washed away. And he became someone, a survivor. Do you know what I mean? He really... Mm -hmm. He really just, he threw all that away and was like, no, I'm I'm here to play hardball, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what takes <laughs> he, he became a super scary cool guy. Yeah, he's my favorite character. <laughs> I was like 12 years old when this book came out and I was in love. I was in love <laughs> like the first page. I was like, this is what they, I'm like, ah, oh, the bad boy. <laughs> okay, but Inez is a baddie. Yeah, for real. And then one day he found out the guy's real name who scammed him and his brother. His name is Pico Rollins. And he was like, I need to bring this man down. So he joined a gang called the Dregs and slowly worked his way up until he's at the top. Uh, he also has a bad leg because of an injury while working with the gang. So he uses a cane to walk that has a little like a, like a crow head on it. It's super cool. Um, but it doesn't slow him down. And then is it Inej or Inej? I always thought it was Inej, but... What do I know? <laughs> I can't. I can't pronounce things like I said. <laughs> I found several different pronunciations of it. Anesh was a, is a silent spy who gathers intel for Kaz and his boss. Her backstory is actually super sad. So she is something called Soli. I don't know if that's a real culture, but it's described as like being Arabic. Do you know what I mean? So I would assume that it's like 
Um, I don't, I'm not very cultured, <laughs> so I'm not 100% yeah, sure, and you can to, like, correct me if I'm wrong. No, what I'm saying is, like, I, would I, in my interpretation, in my understanding, um, it's, like, I think they're, they're supposed to be, like, um, Arabic, but, like, with, like, Romani, um, influences, yeah, I believe that the actress who plays her has some Pakistani heritage, which is yeah. super cool. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it seems like like Arab Romani kind of vibe. Yeah. So she is Suli. She was trained with her family as an acrobat and a trapeze artist. She was kidnapped from her home country and sold to a pleasure house for exotic-looking women called the Menagerie. She was forced to work there until Kaz and his boss, Pearl Hasco, pay her debts and hire her as a spy for the drugs. She became known as the Wrath. Uh, Matthias Helvar, he's a strong brute. He used to be a soldier at the Royal Palace trying to infiltrate. His backstory is, I cannot pronounce this for the life of me, but he's like, Fajerdin? Fajerdin? It's like Nordic sounding. Oh, I have, I, okay. I don't technically know how to pronounce it, but um, in my mind, it's always been like Fjarden or something. Fjarden? Let's go with yeah. that. Because I, <laughs> enunciation, you guys are going to find out. It's not over my head. Gone. It should be like that. It's okay. If you say it with your whole chest, then everyone believes you. Don't worry. <laughs> I say it with passion and I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, he's a warrior called the Driscoll, trained to hunt and kill Grisha witches. On one of his runs, he captures a Grisha named Nina. Their ship is wrecked on the way back to the Fjorda, and there are, two there are two enemies who are forced to work together and survive the brutal cold. It was just the two of them for three weeks, and they try to find civilization once again. They slowly bonded over these weeks, but then Nina betrayed him and throw threw him in a prison by catch traitors. Kurtz traitors. Nina Zenek is a powerful Grisha, specifically a heart trender, uh, recruited for her magical ability. Her backstory is that she is a, was a Grisha story and Grisha soldier in training. Her mentor was a powerful man, feared by all, and she got angry with him, stormed off, and then was captured by a group of Fjordan soldiers, including Matthias. When she and Matthias finally returned to civilization after their shipwreck, she was recognized by Grisha soldiers. Ugh, soldiers. She knew Matthias would be in trouble for being with her, Agrisa, so she claimed that he was a slave trader to have him arrested and away from those who might hurt him. She tried to recant the trade. She tried to recant her claim when she was sure he'd be safe, but they wouldn't let her. She was offered a job by Pika Rollins and accepts it to try and save money to buy Matthias's way to freedom. Super cute. Uh, love them. They're like one of my favorite couples. Honestly, I feel like the entire thing would just be avoided if they just communicated and went to therapy. <laughs> um, you mean to tell this me you? Just... This is not that kind of story. <laughs> no, literally, it's like you mean to tell me that you just assume that your super hot Nordic BF is just going to be in love with you again because after after you literally lied and f had him falsely incarcerated, bro? Ain't no way. <laughs> like, ain't no way. Like, you're no way that, you, like, you're buying him out of jail and he's gonna be like, oh, Nina, my love. Like, I I literally have missed you. I'd be like, if that were me, I'd be like, fuck that bitch. Like, I'm literally never talking to her again. She pisses me off. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. 
Uh, Jesper Fahey is a sharpshooter of the team, also a Grisha, specifically a fabricator. His backstory is he came to Ketterdam for a university education, but then became addicted to gambling. So real of him to admit that. And the gang life instead. He kept his magic a secret from everyone except Kaz, and it is only discovered by his team later in the book when they need when a need for his abilities arise. Ben Eck was recruited for his bomb-making ability and artistic skill. His backstory is that he was raised in a privileged Van Eck household with tutors and everything he could ever want. Despite his intelligence and many talents, he was never able to learn how to read. This is embarrassing to his father, and he resented Waylon. His father was not upset when Waylon eventually left his home and family. Pika Rowland has his ultimate... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, okay. I was just going to say that, like, if my man's, like, Wyland doesn't know how to read, I feel like that's on the dad. Like, that's your fault. You guys are millionaires, and you didn't provide a suitable, like, a good teacher for him. And also, you definitely, you definitely, with a last name like Van Eck, like, you got to be rich as hell. I'm sorry. No, right. He is rich. They said he's privileged. You're privileged. No, literally. Like, you don't have a last name like that and aren't, like, Jeff Bezos saying it. <laughs> Pika Rollins is Kaz's ultimate adversary after he stole from him and ruined his life. He's a rich owner of a successful casino and Ketterdam is always up to no good one way or another. So let's, after we dived into entirety of the character's backstory, <laughs> let's finally get into some plot of Six of Crows. Dude, I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. So, gang leader Kaz Brecker is offered the job of a lifetime by Mr. Jan Van, Jan Van Eck. He wants him to break Bol Yul Bayar, a well-known scientist, out of a nearly impenetrable prison at the center of a castle complex in Fyurda. Yul Bayar was captured because he helped develop a powerful variation of a street drug called Jodaparem. This challenge, this change allows the... Uh, this change allows the new drug to enhance Grisha's magical abilities, and it is highly addictive after just one dose. Cats Dude often- really invented meth. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole plot. <laughs> no, it's more like heroin. Lock this fool up and throw away the key, because what the hell? <laughs> he is locked up. I know, but they're trying to break him out. Right. Ain't no way. So the paycheck... Is thirty million Krug, which is dinero, dinero. So he assembles a team of infamous, noteworthy criminals, each with a different skill set, to make the heist that he's planned. He recruits Anij, Nina, Jasper, Wayland, but there's one more person they need. They need to break Matthias out of Hellgate Prison, which he's been held ever since Nina turned on him with a false. Yeah, because she's she's owl. <laughs> she pissing me off. Every person has in the group has backstory and secrets that unfolds throughout the book um we already talked about some of them but like throughout the story like the characters find out they're like who is this person that i'm working with so Kaz thinks this team needs to move quickly against their target so they plan and they travel he secretly books passage to fragerta with a team on a ship called the feralin they're ambushed the night that they are at the docks and anij is stabbed when they snag the stabber Kaz rips one of his eyes out of his socket to get him to talk Dude. It is, yeah. He was so Wait, feral. <laughs> no, the way that I misunderstood that, I was like, why the fuck would Kaz rip his own eyeball out of his socket? I was like, that is too much. That is, no one cares that much. And then I realized that I'm just stupid. No, you shouldn't. Like, the book, for that scene alone, people should read the book because 
that scene where Anish gets stabbed, Kaz is like feral. He's like, you stabbed Dude. my queen? You don't Average get to man. keep an eye. Average man moment. <laughs> um, they discover that Pico Rollins is behind the attack and might also be his way to Fragerdia to try to rescue Yul Bayer. This makes Kaz feel more urgency to get there and get the job done soon. Waylon draws a map of the castle, prison, and other areas compound based on Matthias's knowledge, and Nina uses her magic to help heal Anisha's wound. Kaz is a smart ruler leader who does not reveal all his secrets or plans to anyone. He keeps all of his cards close to his chest and just passes information to people on need-to-know basis. Once the boat docks in Fryurda, the group begins the cold, icy trek on foot to the ice court. Kaz is planning and plotting as they travel. Matthias is begrudgingly impressed by the plan as Kaz develops that Kaz developed, but hopes at some point they separate from the group. Hopes at some point to separate from the group and kill Yolbear, so the Grisha he was raised to hate will never have the ability to enhance their powers again. Matthias is I'm kind of on Matthias' side. Honestly, I can see that, yeah. Like, like I get of- it. I, like, he's trying to save people. Yeah. So, on their hike, they come across three Grisha witches. Some, for Jordan, have burned down, have burned on a stake on a prior. What is prior? What is prior? A pyre. It's like a... I'm not familiar with that (sighs) English word. (laughs) I literally, like I said, I... Just be thinking thoughts. I don't know if they're accurate or not. But a pyre, in my mind, <laughs> I don't know if it's accurate. But it's like, um, it's like, you know, okay, you know how, like, bonfires look where they got, like, it's like a little mm-hmm. tr- pyramid of mm-hmm. sticks. It's like that. But there's, oh, like, a big oh, stick okay. in the middle. Okay, and they, like, okay. tie them to it. And then they like set the on same, fire. They killed Princess Nereen, Shireen, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. Also, angry about that. Still angry. <laughs> it's been years and I'm still angry about that. <laughs> Could it be like that? So, um, just to be clear, I don't think I was clear that the Grisha witches are the ones who are dead. And Nina is horrified. Matthias stays behind to help her bury the dead. They plan to catch up the other soon. And Matthias and Nina strike a deal when they're alone. Neither one wants Yul Bayer to live. Matthias doesn't want Grisha people to have the power to Joe can give them. And Nina doesn't want her people to suffer the harm of its side effects. Because it is sad, you know, when you're addicted to something and yeah. that's all you can think about, you just your next head. It's it's a disease. Yeah. And I think especially like if they have if they have special abilities like magic, it can it could get bad pretty quick because they can just use violence to get what they want you know just chaos yeah so finally they arrive in the beautiful colored city of the Jerlum. i cannot pronounce anything leah bardugal i get that you went to yell but some of us are simple-minded people (laughs) 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 they see the majestic ice castle and the distant glyphs and they stay at an old tavern while in the city from there, they can see the castle, the gates, the guards, and they watch as wagons come and go. Cass says their way in is as prisoners in one of these wagons. They fe- they fall a tree, and they, like, drop a tree, and it covers the road that a wagon is taking, and they quickly switch places with the prisoners, even assuming they're shackles and driven, while, while the drivers try and remove the tree on their path. 
They make it through the checkpoints into the castle complex. The male and female prisoners are sent to separate parts of the prison, so the group is divided for the time being. Like, two girls are by themselves, and the boys are all together. Girl power. Um, they will time their movements with the chimes of an, the elder clock. Cause how okay? How do they be thinking of intricate plans like this? Because someone has like, baby girl. Cause intelligent. I'm saying though, like I, if someone was like, you have to b- break into prison, not get caught, bring back a dude, break him out, um, bring him back, and then you're good. And I would be like, all right, so that's never happening because I don't know how to get in there. <laughs> like you're on your own, dude. <laughs> so Kaz has to pick two locks taken from him by the guards. Jasper reveals that he's a Grisha, so he forms two new picks from the iron prison bars. The guys escape. Jasper and Matthias go in search of the rope while Kaz and Wyland go to break the girls out of their cells. They're supposed to meet in the incinerator room, but Kaz and Nina go searching for Yolbert. Nina doesn't find him, but comes across a Grisha torture room and flips out a little and runs. <laughs> I want to, though. She just. She just kind of, you know, wigs out and heads <laughs> out. That's extremely valid. <laughs> um, she jumps into she jump bumps into two guards and has to magically strangle them with her powers. One falls down the stairs and his gun discharges. The incinerator was used in the afternoon instead of the morning, like Matthias remembered. So it's still hot when Anish has to climb it because part of the plan includes her climbing. This is like her climb lasts for like three or two chapters, and I was biting my nails the entire time. <laughs> I've read this book like 14 times and every time I'm like, she's not going to make it! <laughs> it melts the soles of her slippers and Anish makes it to the top and drops the rope down. Everyone scrambles up except for Jesper, who's waiting for Kaz. Kaz is late getting back to the group because he's been searching for Pika Rollins. He thought Pika was also in pursuit of Yol Bayer and this was confirmed when he saw Pika's med dead Pika's men dead on the pyres. So Kaz assumed he must have been captured in a cell somewhere on the Fjordan castle. He thinks it's finally time for his long-awaited revenge, but as Jasper begins to climb the incinerator, uh, Kaz appears, covered in blood. Fjordan yellow protocol has been set because of the gunshots the guards took at Nina. It all... It's all really Kaz's fault since he went after Pika instead of sticking with the plan. Nina encountered the guards when she went looking for Kaz. The Code Black resets the plan. Kaz decides that the girls will sneak in the palace as guests and, rev- and revivals arriving for the Vyurden ho- holiday called Frinkala. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Anish and Nina go through the ventilation to drop the holding room for the menagerie girls. They steal glows, colos, and papers, and Nina hastily gives herself and Anish the M tattoo. There's like a little tattoo that says that they're menagerie girls. <laughs> when they emerge, they try to get past the guards who are scrutinizing each guest. Nina flirts her way through, but the guard thinks that Indy's tattoo over the scar of her old one looks suspicious, so she gets sent to another line for people who need a second check. Nina must proceed on her own. We have to remember that Anish was was a pleasure girl, so she did have the tattoo. Yeah, and she already had it, because... Like, everybody yeah, then, who has a tattoo about their past, she removed it, so... Yeah, because she's built different. Her. She is back, it's, the entire time, it's a very sad thing for her, because she's back in the trap that she was before, you know? She's, like, reliving her trauma, and it's, it's very heartbreaking, this, this scene. Um, 
Kaz and Matthias are taking another route in across the ice moat. Matthias knows the secret to crossing at water level thanks to his Druskal initiation. Once they walk across the glass bridge, hidden just beneath the surface, Kaz picks a lock and they're in. There are several guards in the hallway. They disable them and take their uniform and guns. Meanwhile, Jesper and Waylon are entering from the roof. Jesper does a daring descent right above a, group's, a group of guards' heads. Waylon has to cause distraction when they almost spot his friends, so he starts singing at the Frisjordan National Anthem, Slay, <laughs> which he learned from his tutors back home. Can you imagine that? Dude, they didn't teach him to read, but they taught him the freaking Fjordan National Anthem? You're kidding me. <laughs> no, dude, imagine breaking into Area 51, distracting the guards by going, Oh, Slay, can't you see? <laughs> dude, I'd get shot on sight. That was Fergie's you know, Fergie's no, intent when singing yeah. the national <laughs> No, that's like, bro, his dad, okay, okay, I'm just, I'm not gonna talk about it, because it's making me it's, mad It annoyed. makes you angry, it's getting you heated. Because, no, because, how, how are you gonna, like, get the most bomb-ass tutors? Like, how are you really gonna get someone that teaches, like, your kid not to read, but, like, some other random-ass country's national anthem? Right. And then be right. like, you don't know how to read. You're stupid. Get out of here. Like, what do you need? <laughs> Should I continue? <laughs> yes, keep going. So the guards are distracted long enough so they can blindside them with the attack. Then Waylon and Jasper hurry into position. Their mission is to cut the rope, the wrench controlled the main gate on the ice palace it is tough because instead of a strong rope they were expecting the wrench holds a metal chain so they have to find metal files and work as quickly as possible nina gets to the party with the other menagerie girls and she is revealed to see kaz reviled relieved relieved uh, i cannot even speak <laughs> relieved to see kaz and matthias has made it she's hit by a couple for yurden men but sidesteps them trying to find her perfect target. She's looking for a high-ranking official who will most likely know where Yul Baylor is being held, who is also tipsy enough to maybe spill the information to a pleasure girl. But she is surprised to turn and see the latest for Yurid and trying to get her attention <clears throat> is Yarrow Broom. He is the leader of who supposedly drowned over a year ago in a shipwreck that she and that she and Matthias had survived. Ooh. Oh. It has been slow going for Jasper and Wyland. Their hands are covered with blisters. Jasper hears the elder clock chimed and knows that they should already have been done. Not long after, they almost saw through the chain and begin to rise the gate. Jasper wonders whether the alarms are really going off as Matthias promised, and then suddenly they do. The bells of Black Protocol boom everywhere. After much struggle, the chain finally breaks completely. And Nia's just still trying to get to get cleared through in the new set of guards when the menagerie madam, her old boss, Helene Van Hoodens, who Hooden, spots her and identifies her. Oh. Just as Helene explains that she now works for the criminal Kaz Brecker, that he must be there too. They all hear the black protocol bloom. The guards tell them that no one is getting out of the complex tonight because the gates will be lowered according to the black protocol. Nina wonders oh, wow. if he recognizes her from over a year ago. She feels like he doesn't because she looks different in this garb than she than she did as a dirty prisoner on the ship. She decides to take a chance and see if he's the one that will reveal Yul Bayer's location to her. She acts like she wants to see a Grisha in person, and he offers to escort her way to show her one. He takes her to a very secure location, the treasury, and she can't help but wonder if this is where Yul Bayer is. It doesn't seem like it's the place for a normal Grisha prisoner. 
Broom says this is the former vault area that is now used as a laboratory. The hallway lab is filled with cells, cells sealed with white doors and windows in each. Cells each hold a young Risha, obviously dosed up on Judaparam. Broom calls him the future. She tells she asks him to take her somewhere private, insinuating he'll get her his reward for showing her this. She plans on torturing him for info on where Yo Bear is. He leads her to a secluded room, but it's actually just another cell. He locks her inside and calls her by her her given name. She, he has known who she was all along. He threatens to push push the button to release Judaparam in the gaseous form. But then says that there's someone else with much more reason to take vengeance on her. Then Matthias's face appears in the window door. He has found Broom as soon as he was able, and he's anxious to see Nina dose with Judaparam, so she will betray her own people and crave her next fix. Matthias asks Broom about the scientists creating Judaparam as they walk away from Nina's cell. Broom says as long as he cooperates, he will live. Matthias is very troubled by all the Grisha being held there and finds out that this has secretly been done to all convicted Grisha, even before Judaparam, because the ice court uses them for various purposes. And though he had hoped for Nina to be locked up for a long time, Matthias is surprised by the pain he feels now that it's done. He asks Yulbeir, and Broom reveals, he asks about Yulbeir, and Broom reveals where he is held here in the lab too, behind a door only opened by the key around his neck. Broom says he'll show him to Matthias soon, but he first must make sure the Black Protocol is properly administered. He promises he will get Matthias reinstated as a Juskel. Matthias thinks about how Broom took him when he was an orphan and trained him to be dutiful, loyal Juskel he used to be. Then he thinks about all, all about how he has changed since he has met Nina. After Dude, spending this is honestly... This is honestly just so dramatic. Like, if I were in this situation, I would just be like, guys, I'm either killing myself or I'm leaving because this is too much effort. <laughs> After spending... <laughs> oh, God. Matthias then embraces his mentor and uses a sleeper to hold... Him, to hold... Sleeper hold to render him unconscious. This new plan has formed in the ballroom and Matthias saw Broom and recognized when he approached Nina. Cass thought that they could save Nina at the same time and use Broom to get Yule Bager. Matthias drags Broom to his cell, takes a key around his neck, and locks the door behind him. He leaves to go rescue Nina. Jasper and Waylon encounter guards just as several shoe materialize out of thin air and basically vaporize the guards. They turn to Jasper and Waylon. Then Jasper calls on his magic with all of his might to defeat them. Matthias and Nina make it to the vault to find Yobeir's son, Kue Yobo, who says his father is dead. He was killed in a battle between the Firidans and the Kirch. They intended to kill him, but can't bring themselves to harm this innocent boy who is being held captive for his father's crimes. They ask him to destroy the lab, which he is happy to do. They discover that he's a fire Grisha. As he incinerates the lab, his father, who is also Grisha, accidentally they discover that his father accidentally developed Judaparam when he was trying to develop a portion to hide their abilities and keep them safe. So instead of keeping them safe, he ruined an entire race's life. <laughs> um, and so instead of keeping them safe, dude literally invented heroin. Okay, cool. <laughs> that honest mistake. Breaking Bad moment. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Guys, this is a Breaking Bad reference. <laughs> 
And Nin is just being whisked along a corridor by two guards. She sees two more coming towards them, and she decides to try and overtake them before it's four on one. But the two guards approaching are Jasper and Waylon in disguise. They easily take down the two guards who are escorting her. The three of them work to drill their way through the Grisha-made glass using a drill built by Waylon and a diamond Anish stole from Helene back at the celebration. The guards are banging on the doors trying to get in. They make a small hole. Anish gets through and swings Chappie's leg on a chandelier and lands in the prize, a tank. She shoots at That's a canyon. so extra. <laughs> she did not have to do that. She could have just flung around. It's a tiny hole, remember? She's a flexible queen. No, I know. Like, you, okay, she can maneuver through, but she really has to do, like, freaking gymnastics on the chandelier. So she like... shoots the cannon and gets the boys through it, and Jasper takes over driving, while Waylon takes over the guns with Anisha's help. They're being fired on the whole time as they roll throughout the enclosure and break through walls. Nina and Matthias emerge from the water and pull themselves onto shore. Kuwe and Kaz wash up too, but Kaz is unconscious. They have to revive him. They hear something coming in the distance and they hope it's their friends in the tank. It is, but they're being pursued by many more tanks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love when I wrote that. I was like, it is, but they're not alone. <laughs> they take out the bridge with a cannon so the other tanks can't follow. When they crest the hill by the harbor, they're met with row after row of Fajurdan troops and they have they have one Grisha with them, a heart trender, high on Judah Parham. They say they will attack Kaz and his friends if they don't release Kuwait to them. Nina thinks that their only chance is for her to take the drug herself and fight fire with fire. Most Grisha are hopelessly addicted and never the same after just one dose, so the friends of her friends try to talk her out of it, but Nina knows it's the only way and takes the dose Judah. Kuwait pulls from his pouch. I feel like she really just wanted to try it. She was like, I wonder what it's like. Because they were like, dude, you're literally going to get addicted and then die. And she was like, but I have to, for my friends. It's like, do you know? I feel like you just want to try it, and that's fine. Just, yeah. Right, right. She was like, let me, let me just, I have no thoughts. I had a thought. I had a thought. (laughs) I had a thought, and it's gone. It'd be like that. Okay, so, Nina attacks the heart trender first and takes control of all the Fajordan soldiers at once. A group of Juskel show up wearing clothing protecting them from Grisha. They shoot Matthias in the chest and Nina immediately heals them. They shoot Nina repeatedly and she heals herself over and over again. Um, a Wolverine moment! Literally. <laughs> I'm like, so I've nice. actually seen this in the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> She uses her the soldiers under her control to take off the <clears throat> take off the juice skills protective clothing, leaving them vulnerable to her. Now she's able to harm them, but doesn't at Matthias's request. The group boards for Yolan and takes out of the harbor. They immediately make it safely out to open sea, and the group is anxious and watches Nina to see if the effects of Judah Param will set in. Nina tells Anish that with her current enhanced set, um, senses, she can hear Kaz's breath catch every time that he looks at her. Bro. What a snatch, but I love it. <laughs> Literally. Kaz, Kaz arrives and gets some time alone with Anish. He asks what she will do with her share of the money. She says she will buy a boat, get a crew, and learn how to sail. He asks her to stay with him instead. She says that he has to shed her armor for her or she won't have him at all. He doesn't respond. So, we're getting into Kinda the goofy. end. 
We're getting into the end. We're coming to a close. We're coming to a close. The wish straws and aches set in for Nina and Matthias is by her side the whole time. Jasper's feeling a little guilty that he didn't offer to take the Judaparam too. He wonders why he hasn't seen Wayland since they boarded the ship. He's happy as they spot the Cadaran shore and gets in the longboat that Kaz has provided to paddle to shore. They have a runner to take the message to Van Eck to meet him as soon as Velu- at, at the village loop a small nearby island. I can't pronounce that. It looks like Village Luke. He has money for them, but tries to double-cross them. He has brought a group of flying Grisha high on Judiparim with him. He says none of them will leave the island, and he will destroy the Fiorlin, which docked nearby. Cass says that... Um, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> I lost my place. I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> let me drink some water every day is a struggle honestly okay i feel like in this like i think it's really interesting i'm really liking it so far but also like half of this could have been avoided <laughs> if- <laughs> they all just communicated yeah like okay let me finish <laughs> okay Kaz said that Wayland stayed behind the ship to care for Nina. He thinks that Van Eck won't harm his own son. Van Eck says he's always been ashamed of his son and his illiteracy and was not upset when he recently left the family. Van Eck has the Grisha destroy the ship anyway, but Kaz has a trick up his sleeve too. The prisoner with, with them is not Kuei, but is Wayland, magically tailored to look like Yo Baylor's son. Van Eck is insistent that they tell him where the real Kuei Yobo is. Kaz says he will only let them safely off the island with their money. Van Eck has, says he has to kill says to kill everyone but Kaz. Then he sees the crucial mistake that Kaz has made. His eyes cut to Nij just for one second. Kaz knows he's discovered Kaz's weakness. He commands his Grisha to grab the money, the girl, and they all fly away. Kaz and the whole group fight for her, but in the end, Van Eck and his crew escape with Nij as their prisoner. Before he leaves, Van Eck says they have one week to bring him to Wheel Kuei, or Nij will be tortured and killed. Jesper is mad that Kaz asked Waylon to transform and mad at Waylon for following through with it. Kaz chastises Casper for being the one who gave them for being the one who gave them their first their highest attempt away at Pika Wallens when he mentioned it during a card game before they left town. It was an innocent mistake, but stupid at the same time. He kept his tailoring form as punishment. Then all of a sudden, Cash's scheming face returns. He says he's going to teach Venek a new trick that he'll never forget, and he'll need the right quote to do it. Everyone that's left with him agrees, and that's the end of the book. Oh, so, Emma, Miss Emma, please share your thoughts with the audience. Okay. <laughs> Let's ask the audience. I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I haven't, like, read it, read it, so I don't really know, like, the full shit. My brain, like, died. I don't really, like, know all the little details that, like, you had to leave out of this. But, like, honestly, kind of good. Um, I feel like if I were in that situation, though, I would be the stupidest, weakest link. Um, because I... If it's fight or flight, I'm flying. I'm leaving. Or I'm just going to die. Like, it's one of those. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was good. (laughs) Like, but also, like, okay, okay. I keep forgetting that, like, a lot of 
the people in this book are literally like teenagers so i'm like why would they do that that's so stupid that's such a dumb decision and it's like oh because they're literally 18 years old <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of silly they're a little bit goofy but yeah i don't know i thought it was good i liked it <laughs> so. I, i'm so proud of you for being vulnerable yeah. and sharing us your thoughts <laughs> Okay, so let's go into my rating of this book because, again, I read this a while ago. I definitely think that this book deserves the hype, though. It's so well written. It's such a trip. It's fun. It definitely could have been solvable, like you said, if they just communicated. But that's that's the fun of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I so, think for sure it's like a good like YA book. It's a good know? YA book. Like it's, I'm so it's excited definitely to see how solid. the show's gonna turn out. Dude, yeah. And Inej and like has have like this will they won't they thing going on and I'm like I love it and Jasper and Waylon are a thing and I'm I'm you know the first time I read it I it like completely flew over my head maybe because like, really? I was 12 <laughs> and I was like they're best friends they're roommates <laughs> they're literally they're just really good friends that kiss each other sometimes <laughs> literally I think there's a kiss in this book and I was like I guess people all the time, like, and, but like in greeting, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So our rating system, how it works, is out of five stars we're doing. So for me, this book is five out of five stars, and it I rank it as a masterpiece worth the hype. Read it. It's fun. It's a trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Coming, okay, my rating as someone who didn't read it but just got the synopsis, I would say... That, like, it, like, I thought it was a 5 out of 5 crystal meths. Because <laughs> it's good. Like, it's really good. Like, I was entertained the entire time listening. I'm glad you were entertained. I'm Me too, because... <laughs> I couldn't have done that some, otherwise. Yeah, no, there are some YA books where I'm like, you really thought this, huh? You really... Let's get into the second book, though, because I have thoughts. Go ahead, I'm ready. Okay, our second book is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black for ages, I would say 16 plus. <sighs> the genre is fantasy, <laughs> YA, romance, fae, fiction, magic. So our characters are Jude Durarte, Taryn Durarte, Maddox, Carden, Green Grayer. Vivian are like our main characters. The book is told in the part of you as Jude Duarte, and that's it. She has a twin sister, Taryn, who just looks exactly like her. Which I think I think it's important to remember that they look exactly alike. They're identical twinsies. twins. Twinsies. Slow. So the publishing date I have for this book is January second, two thousand eighteen. My first encounter with this book was I've kind of always like seen it at Barnes and Nobles since two thousand eighteen, but then it really no, blew pretty up much same. TikTok. Yeah. Do you remember it like blowing up on TikTok? Yeah, no, I do. Everyone was like talking about it. Everybody talked about this book. Everybody was like, "You got to read it. It's amazing." This scene, Taryn's biatch, and I'm like, <laughs> "What did Miss Taryn do?" You know, uh, so spoilers. Yeah. I definitely think that uh, I forgot to say spoilers in the last one, but we definitely are going to go into spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, not me putting on chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I definitely think that the twist at this book that I like is like it's worth reading for just the twist, and that's 
it. That's all the positive I have to say about this <laughs> So let's get into Holly Black. Holly Black is an American writer best known for her children in YA. Her recent work is the Folk of the Air series, which is this, The Cruel Prince. I thought it would be called The Cruel Prince series. No, it's called The Folk of the Air series. And I'm like, why? Um, I did only read Cruel Prince. So I don't know. Maybe there is an answer to it on latter books, but um, I'm just absolutely baffled. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it because I've never, like, heard any, I I have no idea what it's about. I don't know what the premise is. I, yeah, because I literally. And I went into it without even reading a summary on Goodreads. I knew nothing. Yeah. I went in blind. I was like, I people are like, go in this book blind. Don't Google it. Do nothing. And I was like, let's do that. And I wish I had it. I wish I had it. I wish <laughs> I read some reviews before I did that. <laughs> yeah. So Holly Black is best known for. Also, she helped create Spiderwick. With oh Kate really? Yeah, that's interesting. She's one years old, and this is like I feel like I think this is she hasn't done a lot. But she does. She did the Spiderwick series. She helped write the script for the movie. I watched Spiderwick so many times when I was little. I used to be afraid of no Mograth, but like I was like, the vibes are immaculate. Freddie Highmore, um, tomatoes for lifers. I love <laughs> mushrooms. I used to think I used to like see like a ring of mushrooms outside my house, and I'm like Ugh, protected. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, like okay, I was not allowed to watch it when I was a kid, just because my mom was like, okay, well, it's scary for me. So you can't watch it because I'm scared. And I was just like, yeah, that's like, I mean, kind of slay because I definitely would have been terrified like when I was younger. And then because my mom said no one time when I was like seven, Mm -hmm. I just decided to never watch it. So I recently, by recently, I mean like a couple years ago, I watched it and honestly, it's really good. I watched it yeah. when I was like eight. It was like my nightmare, my inspiration, my terror. <laughs> so Holly yeah. Black went to the College of New Jersey Rutgers University. No, no, she always she went to College of New Jersey and then Rutgers University. Sorry, swag, swag. Um, let's kind of go. Let's should we get into the book? I think we should. Let me just say that I. I didn't enjoy this book, and we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it, but get ready. Uh, Madoc is Vivian, who is the twin sister's biological father. He murders Jude and Taryn's parents and Vivian's mother, so they're like half-sisters. Um, uh-huh. He whisks all three of them away to live in Fairy and live as his chargers. So Taryn and Jude are humans. Vivian is Fairy. So, yeah, Vivi, Vivi is true fairy and doesn't obey or want to be a part of his world. The twins attend a fairy ball, one of many, where they must be careful and watch from the sidelines. And Valerian insults Jude, who's a friend of... His name's Cardin, but I'm going to refer to him as Cardigan, because that's how I remember his name. <laughs> I think Taylor Swift... What is it? Evermore? Folklore? Cardigan. <laughs> I really could not even tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so a typical day at fairy lessons for the twins involved torture by Cardin or Cardigan and his posse. Humans can stay in fairy in, in adulthood if they fall in love and marry, which is Taryn's choice, or if they show a skill, which is Jude's choice. 
who wants to serve as a knight for improving her fighting ability in the summer tournament. King Eldred will soon choose a successor from among his children. Everyone thinks it will be Prince Dane, his third oldest. So there is no, like, royalty is not like it is here. They're, like, appointed. The oldest, yeah. He, like, picks his favorite child, essentially, in front of everybody. (laughs) No, I would be so butthurt. If that if I wasn't chosen, I would be like, no, bro, right. dad did yeah, me dirty. So, That's not even funny. So Maddox's wife, who he murdered, uh, Vivian and Jude and Taryn's mom, she was did Taryn's option. She fell in love with Maddox. She wasn't really in love with Maddox, and she ran away with Maddox's uh, human worker. So bro. that is why. But it's not an affair with the human. Right. I thought it was interesting. It didn't make any sense biologically because Vivi is true fairy because she is from, but she has a human mother. So why isn't she half human, half fairy? It doesn't make any sense biologically, but they, the reason why they take, yeah, the reason why they take human women is because it's very hard for fairies to have children. But um, that's kind of creepy. It's very predatory. Like they just, yeah, that's no, but they literally pick an attractive female and then steal them. It's like the whole concept of this book is so bizarre because they literally steal humans. And I'm like, why? That's like, are they like normal sized or are they yeah, like Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I was kind of struggling to figure out how tall everyone is. I do know that Mr. Cardigan has a freaking tail. Um, That's but weird. apparently he's so sexy and he's so hot, but he has a tail. And I'm, personally, I don't think I could love anyone with a tail. <laughs> I'm being real yeah, the tail, the tail's my ick, dog. Like if someone was like, I'm a 10 and, like, perfect in every single way, but I have this ugly-ass tail. I don't think I could. No, he's apparently attractive, but he has so many red flags, and we will get into it. I'm excited. It's so problematic. You're, you get ready. So, Maddox tells Jude that she cannot compete in the summer, summer tournament. Jude and Cardigan torture each other back and forth. One day, Cardigan, I still guess said a card. I'm going to call him Cardigan. I don't care. I'm calling him Cardigan. <laughs> One day, he nearly drowns, killing, almost killing Jude, asking her to not participate in the summer tournament. She won't withdraw. Taryn has to kiss each of his che- cheeks <laughs> and to rescue Jude and beg for her life. The three sisters go to a mortal mall. Vivi tells her sisters that she wants them to move to the motor world with her and her girlfriend. So Vivi is gay or I think she's bi. Maybe she's gay. I think she's just gay. They don't really clarify. They don't really need to. But I think it's funny how, like, Jude and Taryn so badly want to be fairy. And Vivian's like, y'all, I'm trying to be human. I want to be a mortal. (laughs) I want to go to the mall. (laughs) It's just so, like... (sighs) Yeah. I should say that Jude and Taryn, it's so weird because it's, like, trying to be... Holly Black is trying to be futuristic and be like, these are fairies, but also she puts in elements of like old things where like you have to wear your stockings inside out and you have to have something in your pocket so you don't get tricked and you have to put all the food, you have to add salt so that humans can eat it and not be in a trance. And it's just, it's an ick, honestly. It's a, the writing style is <laughs> an ick. This book is an ick, <laughs> but let's get into it. Um, Vivi wants them to be human. She wants them to live their humans' lives, and the twins are desperate to be fae. Before they leave the mall, Jude hurts a boy who was trying to hit on her. She was like, <laughs> that was the only part that I was like, pop off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
Jude pushes Cardigan when she sees him talking to a crying Taryn. She says she'll, he'll, she'll regret it. Taryn won't tell her what happened. She says her tears weren't about Jude, and she begs her to make things right with Cardigan and not fight with him the next day. On the first day of the tournament, Jude fights well against Cardigan and his posse. He asks her to beg for forgiveness for her wrongs in front of everyone. She will not. He is furious. As she lies there wounded, Locke, who's another character, he's like a handsome, bobansome man. Um, Locke (laughs) comes visit her and tend to her wounds. He's extremely gentle and he seems to like her for, he seems to like her and this is the second time recently. And she says that she has, she gets under Cardin skin like no one else and he's like intrigued by her. That night, Jude has a prince waiting for her in her parlor. She storms in, assuming it's Cardigan, but it's actually Prince Dane. He asks her what she desires. She wants to be a knight, she tells him, in his court. He asks her what she really desires. She says she wants to be an immortal fae, but she hates but she hates that she even thought about it. Instead, she tells him she wants to be vulnerable. She wants to be invulnerable to enchantments and fairies. She doesn't want to have to wear stockings or keep things in her pocket or wear a certain necklace anymore. He agrees to do it if she spies for him. So he puts on a gaze on her, saying that she can be enchanted by no one but him. Now she is Jude is Prince Dane spy. Fun fact: my dog's name is Jude. So for me, oh. this in my head. The That's entire weird. plot was my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, your dog is just busting it down, I guess. <laughs> busting it down for Chris Cardigan. Literally in another life. Yeah. The next day during their lessons, which I think is interesting, because there's Cardigan is literally royalty, and she goes to the same school as him. Why doesn't he have private tutors? Why is there... And also, I forgot to say that their, like, their life is at night. During the day, they sleep. And everything happens at night. So she's going to school they're at nocturnal. night in the woods. With her. Yeah, they're nocturnal. Bro. Everything about this book gives me the egg. It just makes absolutely no sense. There's so many plot holes. Let me continue it's, and then we'll talk about my anger. I mean, I wouldn't consider, like, nocturnal fairies as, like, No, but humans are nocturnal. They can't just be, they can't just switch. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, that's not, like, I wouldn't say it's a plot hole. But I would say that it's definitely, like, why? Why did you add that? There's no reason. But because, like, but also my issue with it is that the time-wise and the pacing of this book, it's just, she talks about time and, like, what time it is. And she says this early morning and early afternoon. And she gives timelines. And I'm like, what are you talking about, girly pop? <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. The math isn't mathing. Okay, the next day during their lessons, Jude answers a question from the teacher about consolations. When he tries to get Cardigan to answer a question, he says the lesson is boring, demands that the teacher choose a new one. While the teacher scrambles to look for a new nest lesson, Narcissa snatches Nicasia. Sorry, I keep saying Narcissa. I think of Narcissa Malfoy. Nicasia snatches Jude's notebook. When Jude grabs it back, she slaps her. Oh, rude. It's so childish, this book. <laughs> well, Jude is on. No, but literally, she took her stuff, and then she's. If it isn't the consequences of my own actions, takes the book back. She's like, and slaps her. No, it's like it just seemed like this to me. Just so far, seems like because okay, it was written by Holly Black, right? Yeah, she's fifty-seven, yeah. I think. No, so it just seems like uh, the main character Vivian. I think her name is right. 
Jude. Vivian is her sister, her fairy Okay, sister. literally I have no concept. So, Jude. Jude just seems like a diet pick-me girl. You are so right! You are so yeah. on board! You're right yeah. on the nose. She, she seems like a, a diet pick-me girl. Um, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like other girls. And it just seems like... I obviously have not read the book, so I could be completely off. But You're it just so seems, <laughs> but it just seems, it just seems like, like Holly wrote this as like a, God, I wish this were me in middle school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like she was, like, I was, I was, like she, you know what I'm saying? Where she was like conventionally unattractive or like bullied or whatever, and so she like re- she wrote a book where she's like the main character and, like, the hottest and the coolest and, like, built different than everyone else and everyone, like, loves her. No, but they also talk about in the book how Jude isn't very pretty. Taryn is prettier than her, but I'm like, how? Because the beginning of the book, you say that they look exactly alike. <laughs> yeah! So, and, like, Taryn is about? Like, you can be beautiful one day, too, and I'm like, you have the same face. You're First of all, if, if my brother was, like, You'll be beautiful one day soon. Like, don't worry. Like, one day you'll be pretty. I would deck the shit out of him. <laughs> I would be like, girl. Can I continue? Because it gets worse. It only gets yes, worse from keep here. Keep going. Keep going. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> intrigued. Is, uh, it's such trash, and I love it. <laughs> Literally. While Jude is on the ground for being slapped, Valer- Valerian shows. Is that hard? <laughs> yeah. Dude, where's the I- principal? I do want to say trigger warning at this point for our audiences. We talk about sexual assaults. Hopefully in the description of the episode, I will be able to put some time markings where some content we jump, some content warning, but I do want to say it's it's pretty graphic and I was like I was horrified reading this. So I do I don't want to make light of this because it's it's awful. It is so bad in front of a teacher. We're going to get In front this. of a teacher, keep going. I need to know. <laughs> Valerian shoves a fairy apple in her mouth. It's something that Dane's protection won't shield her from, so she ends up filled with joy and intention of the apple. The students What's the decide between a regular apple and a fairy. It's apple? like it makes them. It's like you've never heard about this. Like reading Grimm's fairy tales, like fairy food is like can put you in a trance and like they can make you do whatever they want. Oh yeah, literally no. So so yeah, well, nothing the good. More you know, from this. the more you learn. So the students take advantage of Jude's state. They ask her if she would like to kiss all of them. They ask her to take off her dress. They ask her to take off her necklace with rowan berries, which usually protects her from enchantment. And then Cardin steps in and asks Jude to kiss his foot instead. He says he's the prince after all. For just a second, Jude sees fury, desire, and shame in his eyes. Um, and it just, it gets worse. They like have her dance. She's in her bra and underwear. And she's just, she has no control over her body. And it, they just describe it. She describes it in such deep, like graphic detail. It was not necessary. That was seems not necessary. Like, what does that whole add? scene added nothing but proved my point that this book was, it's not. They're like, oh, I have to, we're going to continue because then I have so many thoughts afterwards that I would like to share, not without, like, letting it go. So then (laughs) they return to their usual coolness, and the teacher does nothing. Nothing. Wow. So she's butt-ass naked, 
Locke comes to her rescue. He picks her off off the ground to take her home. Before they walk away, Cardin stabs one of Jude's fingers in the back of the pin he's wearing. She's walking home. She sucks on the injured finger. The salt in her blood wipes away the effects of the apple. When she gets home, Locke says he will like to see her again because he wants her to be in far- she wants to be a part of her unfolding story. He kiss- he kisses each of her fingers before leaving. That's weird. <laughs> That's unrelated. He was just sexually assaulted and he was like I want to get to know you better. Can I just... Yeah. He was like, you're so cool. He's like, you're so sexy girl slay. No, but like... This book is so confusing. Can I continue? Because like, at the end, I want us to fight about this. (laughs) I don't think we'll fight, but yeah. No, I kind of agree with you right now. Fight the air about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maddox wants to know who did this to Jude as she arrives home naked. She refused to tell him because she knows he will she go didn't after even, her She didn't even get her, bro. He didn't, even, she, even grab, he didn't even grab her clothes? I think he gave her, like, a- I think it was a cloak, but, like, she- I think she just, like, took it off and she's like, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, like, her clothes- it's not like her clothes just disintegrated. She They're didn't so put her clothes. I'm angry that Locke didn't have her. He took advantage of her because her clothes on the floor. She was wearing a dress. He could have put helped her put it back on. But no, let me walk her home naked. Yeah, let me just throw like that and is tell her I would like to see her again and kiss her fingers. You cannot tell me. Yeah, like I, I hated every character in this book. There's not a single. No, that's character like, I liked that's in this book. so stupid. Let's continue. That, like, yeah, <laughs> Let's keep dive going. In. <laughs> Jude refuses to tell him because she knows that he will go after all of them and kill them. Then the king will kill him. Instead, she tells him she wants to train even harder so that nobody can hurt her and she wants to defeat them herself. When Jude makes it to her room, Ahab is there with her first assignment from Prince Dane. She's to go to the house of the eldest sibling, Prince Belkin, in disguise tomorrow and find a treasonous secret. The next day at Prince Belkin's house, she finds a letter and takes it back to Dane. She also sees Cardigan being whipped by his brother and abused. She's surprised that Cardigan lives with his older brother and uh, receives abuse from him. Bro. It's pretty graphic, too, this scene where <sighs> he, he, like, just beats him. And this book is just, there's so many unnecessary scenes. No, and I'm it's okay. It Here's what I have, to, I have to reposition in my seat for this. <laughs> I'm getting serious. serious. No, like, like, how how is she, like, it seems like she's fine with everything that happened at school. Like, there was no, like, at least the way you're describing it, I haven't read it. it, it, so. it she just moves on. Yeah. And then, how are you going to go into some dude's house be like, you're getting abused? Just leave. You know? Why Why are you here? It's like, because, I don't know, maybe he can't leave, you dumb idiot. Yeah, but then she also feels sympathy for him. And I'm like, why do you feel sympathy for him when he's turning around and doing the same thing to you? It doesn't make him a good person. He's just He's not like he's, he's not a misunderstood receiving. Yeah, and he's not like a misunderstood like oh my gosh, he's so cute and just he just has a That's hard life and it's like he he book. 100% he 100% has a hard life, but that is not an excuse to just be an asshole, be like the worst kind of person ever. Exactly, exactly. Let's continue. <laughs> this is I'm like I haven't even read it and I'm fuming. We will discuss this it is, more further after. This I, is I really want to get into my afterthoughts because I have. Yeah, I'm whole, excited for that. I have a whole speech. <laughs> I'm excited to know what you think. Dane recognizes the handwriting in the message as Locke's mother. 
Dane then has Roach to escort Jude. They have like little nicknames, his little spy oh squash, gosh. his little girl gang. <laughs> I kind of love his girl gang and Dane. I'm like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> he, Dane has then Roach escort Jude to the Court of Shadows. She meets the other spies and she will do some training with them. She's surprised that Locke is at her house when she gets home. He kisses her hand. Taryn comes to tell them that dinner is ready. Locke declines the invitation but hopes to see Jude back at school soon. He's like stalking her. Bro, I don't even care. What is up with him and kissing people's hands and fingers? He has a fetish. I don't think he has a fetish. Dude, maybe I mean it's it literally was only twice. But <laughs> twice twice it. in like a cup twice in like a couple day span is no, too many. Twice in like a it's a, a day span. Uh yeah, that's too much. Um that's I would definitely be I feel like I would get the ick. Like Locke just gives me the ick. He gave me the ick. Everybody in this book gave me the ick. Can I continue? Yes, <laughs> keep going. asking for permission. Um, Taryn comes in to ask what Locke wanted. She wants to make sure he wasn't being mean to her sister. Jude assures her that she wasn't. Taryn admits that she's going to be engaged the night of Dane's coronation, but she won't say to whom. She says she's enchanted to say to not say who it is. Jude thinks about so how annoyed. she saw Cardigan and Taryn talking and hopes that it isn't him. She has a suspicion that it is, though. She shows Taryn the copy of Alice in the Wonderland that she found at Prince Balin's, Mil- Balkin's house. So not only did she steal a letter, she was like, let me steal out of his personal library, too. I mean, he's an yeah. abusive man. I probably would have done the same, but it's just like, that's tacky. I'm sorry. Yeah. Souvenir. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, though, she kind of girl boss. Like, I... <laughs> Cheat the system, I guess. <laughs> a piece of paper slips out the book, but Taryn doesn't notice. Jude stashes it under her pillow to see it later. She falls asleep as Taryn reads books to her. She looks at the note the next morning. It's her name written over and over again in Cardigan's angry handwriting. Okay, so what we're not going to do, what we're not going to do is, like, become, um, I forgot quote. to mention one thing. He uh-huh. knows that that's her favorite book because she, like, tells everyone that that's her favorite book. Because it was the book that her mama read her. Dude. No, this is giving me a headache. <laughs> like, what we're not gonna do is romanticize the, right. the like, a, yeah, the, a, yeah. Uh, that's my thoughts in the end. Okay, but, like, please let me finish. Hold on for as much as you can. This book kind of, at the end, I was like, ooh, I'm kind of into it. But then I was like, hell no. Again, no. But let me finish. Let me finish. Like, <laughs> going, hold your going. thoughts so we can spew Dude, it I have the memory capacity of... Right? Of Write it down, then, bro, because we are going to save it because I have so much to say. Okay. <sighs> <clears throat> So she finds her name written over and over. Jude, 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 Jude. <laughs> and she's like, wow, he hates me so much. I don't know about you, but any girl who's obsessed with a guy has written their name over and over again in a piece of paper. For me, when I was younger, it was like Dylan O'Brien, Adam Driver, and I was like, Dylan O'Brien, Dylan O'Brien, Dylan O'Brien. And it wasn't angry. <laughs> it was just, I was no, eight like, and I didn't have another outlet. How does she know that his handwriting is angry what if he just has shit handwriting <laughs> like what if he's just bad at penmanship <laughs> let me continue before i throw it up she's like wow he hates me so much a dressmaker comes to measure the sisters for new gowns 
Jude ends up fighting with Oriana, her stepmother, because she wants to tell her son Oak a story. She wants to tell her son Oak a story, and Oriana will tell her. Oak is... I forgot to say this! Oh my god! Oak is like her six-year-old fairy brother. Oh my gosh, what a cute... He's so cute! He's my favorite character. I was like... "Ah, Okay, um, kind of unrelated, but I literally have a great-uncle, great-great-uncle named Oak. So that's kind of... That's in poor taste, Holly Black. She knew. (laughs) She, she knew, knew what she that was my doing. dog was named Jude and your uncle was named Oak, and she had a personal <laughs> vendetta against us. Dude, yeah, she knew. She knew. Continue. Sorry. Oriana <laughs> <laughs> um, won't let her get close to Oak. She's like she, Jude wonders why because there's like a ton of situations where she's like, ah, oh, let me hold my little brother. And Oriana's like, get your human hands off of my baby boy. Oh no! Wait, <laughs> uh, there's probably like. I, I guess like racists. Yeah, they are. The humans are slaves. I'm like, what is this? It was that, very tacky. I'm, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. Give me, give she me. She just she thought of all of the things in the world and then added them to the book. <laughs> she was like, what exists? What exists right now? Bullying. Yeah. Um. Racism. Yeah. And was just like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's so stupid. That's and like so it true. just it just hit me that like bro, anyway, continue. Sorry. I have tears in my eyes because I hate this, this is, book so much. <laughs> this book was so this painful is, to read. This is too bad. Okay, continue. <laughs> the next day at school, Locke smiles at Jude. She noticed his cardigan moving slowly because of the welts on his back after you know, the next day after he was beaten. Yeah. On her way home from school, Jude picks up several fairy fruits and vegetables that are poisonous to humans. She eats little bits of each of them, trying to condition herself to withstand poison. She ends up sick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was too much. So, as a big sentence, uh, her, one of her smart <laughs> friends is like, you should start, like, ad- adjusting to, like, poison. You know, because some assassins, they, like, build up an intolerance. She's like, let me just take the fruit. That is it's giving you. But it's giving, it's giving, if I'm allergic to blueberries, I'm just gonna eat it until I No, literally. What's that one? It's giving um the Princess Bride. <laughs> literally. 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 Okay. Oof. When she wakes up, Roach is there to take her to more training. He's teaching her stuff. Then she does all again it all again the next day. She learns a lot from Madoc, Roach, and Ghost. She just, this is her routine. Does she not have school? She goes to school, she eats the poison, she gets bullied, she goes back home, and at, be- at nighttime when she's going to bed, before, when she gets back home, her, her stepdad teaches her strategy, and then when at night, Ghost and Roach teach her how to be a spy. It's, Dude, she's a f- this is not does she sleep? Talk. That's my question! I do I don't know. That's why the timeline doesn't make any sense. She's like talking about the hours of the day. And I'm like, there's not enough hours of the day for you to do this. She's like, I train three hours with my dad, five hours of throat and coach or whatever. And I was like, when do you do homework? She, she just, she, she just has the worst grades. She has a D minus in every single class. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. We're almost done, but get ready. <clears throat> Jude falls asleep one day during lunch break because of her, all of her na- late night antics. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? That is so such a surprise. 
<laughs> she awakes to Valerian standing over her, her Rowan being. Who's Valerian? <laughs> He's so one confused. of the bullies. He was one of the bullies in the very oh. beginning. I'm sorry. I don't remember him. This is like a fever dream. I'm in, I'm in mental anguish. This book is anguish. Literally. So he tries to tell her to go kill herself, literally. Um, oh, fun. And she is, he's shocked that she can disobey him because of Dane's protection. So Jude doesn't... No, because he actually, he actually was like, this will be so funny. It's literally like, it's just a prank, bro. The prank. I'm it's sorry, like, dude. laugh, but it's not a funny situation. She pulls him aside and then stabs him. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Jude finds an acorn in the pocket of the dress that she's taking. Oh, whoops. Jude goes home with Locke after school. He invites her to stay for a party with his friends that night, which is literally the people who are bullying her. He's I like, don't trust them. I would not trust any of them with my like, drink. He's like, let's go to a party at my house. Also, he's an orphan. His whole family's dead. He just lives in a big house by himself. Teens oh my gosh, my dream. No, I'm, uh, not that my parents are dead, but that I get to live in a big <laughs> that house was by so- <laughs> Just so you know, just to clarify. I don't want to be an orphan. I just want a big house. <laughs> I'm a Gen Z. I'll never be able to afford one. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he invites her to stay for his party with his friends. She dresses in one of his mother's dresses and spends the night dancing and kissing Locke. Cardigan That's mildly watch- creepy. Yeah, Cardigan is, like, watching her with, like, girls around him and girls that are making out with him. Yeah. And he's just, like, his eyes are open watching her the entire time. No, okay. I know you're but trying apparently to do this, her but I'm eyes, so sorry. Her eyes are open watching him, too. So what is even happening I don't know. But okay. No, no, hold on, hold on. I have to say this. It's floating around in my noggin. How weird is it that you're like, my mom used to wear this dress, and now I'm making out with you while you're in my mother's, my dead mother's dress? (laughs) Anyway, slay. Like, weird. That's weird. I'm never doing that. Okay, Jude finds an acorn in the pocket of the dress that she as she's taking it off at home. She manages to open it. It reveals a mess. Oh, she spent the night with um, Locke. Locke. They don't say anything that happened, but we one can only assume. <laughs> Literally, yeah. It reveals a message that seems to be from Locke's mother before she died, predicting her death, asking her best friend to take care of him, presumably. This Locke. is why you always check your pockets. <laughs> right, he gave her a dress and didn't even check the pockets. I always make sure that there's like maybe there's money in there. Literally, I'm paranoid. Jude wonders how it compares with the letter that Locke's mother, she found of Locke's mother at Prince Belkin's house and took today. Jude goes back to Belkin's house to look for more evidence, but she finds none. As she's leaving, she passes a servant girl named Sophie. Her heart breaks for the girl. She decides to sneak her out. They're out in the lawn. Cardigan rise up. Jude's afraid he'll see her, but he must take but he must take a friend of the servant girl because he barely looks her way. When Jude makes it home, she begs Vivi to sn- Vivi to sneak this girl back to the human world. Vivi agrees to do it. Um, Vivi. Sorry. I say Vivi like in Portuguese. <coughs> As they ride on magic horse- horses toward the human world, Sophie throws herself off of the horse, not wanting to live this new life that she's come to know. Jude feels overwhelming guilt. So there's just everything in this book, but we're just going to keep going so I can finish quickly because we just got to get through it. This is, yeah, it's giving me a headache and I need to finish quick. So, <laughs> because I can't handle this anymore. 
The next morning, Jude is summoned to the parlor. Dane is there to scold her. She thinks that it's for kidnapping Sophie, but it's actually for stabbing Valerian. To prove her loyalty, he asks Jude to stab herself in the hand. At first, she thinks that he will compel her to do it. Then she realizes he's asking her to do it of her own will to prove her loyalty. So she stabs her hand. <sighs> this is so stupid. <laughs> I'm not okay right now. Let's get scared to ruin their dresses arrive for coordination. Jude is different than what Jude's dress is different than what she ordered. An ombre brew with embroidered trees. It's the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. Her stepmother, Oriana, cautions her to not aspire to rise above her station. She thinks Dane was at her house earlier this morning because Jude has a relationship with him. Jude learns that Oriana was a consort when it to the current king before marrying Maddox. She warns she warns Jude how dangerous court is, citing the murder of another consort who is pregnant. Everyone assumes a, pr a prince did it, so there wouldn't be another heir. Jude realizes that she doesn't know anything about Oriana and all of her cautions to the girls from experience. She learns that Belkin was there in a long meeting with Maddock and wonders what it was about. Valerian sneaks into Jude's room that night, drunk. He threatens her and pulls a blade on her, and she stabs him. She stabs him, and he dies in her room on her bed. Before she's gone, he says he curses her three times. It just It's a very confusing thing. He curses her, and she has to hide the body before somebody comes to train her. And they're going to track and kill a messenger on Belkin tonight. So, basically, he showed up in a room, and she killed him. Fun. His body. No problem. To be fair, I probably would, too. Someone just broke into my house and was like, I'm going to kill you. Ah. <laughs> and it was, I would probably be like, no. That's so crazy. So in Not order if to I kill you first. Lovely. In order to kill the assassin, Ghost tells Jude that she must do the kill. He thinks that's her first ever, but it's actually the second of the night. When she gets a closer look at her victim, she realizes it's a spy of her stepfather's. The note she holds says to kill the bearer of the message. Ghost thinks that it means Belkin has set them up. The note saying that what the killer had in her hand, the person that they killed had in the hand, had a note saying that it was killed the bearer of this message. Jude thinks it's... The no, Ghost thinks it's Belkin has set them up. Jude tries to work through Laropi's murder, and it has to do with the coronation. She buries Valerian's body by their stables that night. As they dress to the cor coronation, Jude and Vivi wonder who Taryn's fiancé will be. Maddock arrives with to have a private talk with Jude. He gives her a sword forged by the, her mortal father. She's surprised when he tells her a bit about her parents. At the coronation ball, Jude thinks she sees Sof Sophie with the merfolk of the undersea now with fang teeth so she says how there's a rumor that like when people die in the ocean the mermaids turn them into a zombified mermaid so it might be something uh, i'm not sure that's kind of cool i want it to be that <laughs> so jude dances with her sisters then Locke. he speaks in riddles asking her if she loves him enough to give him up and what would she do if he were to hurt her cardigan cuts in as Locke is ready to say more but he's like how much do you love me do you love me enough to die how would you feel if I die? Would you yeah. give me up? Would you share at me? This point, at this he's point, he's asking these weird questions. We're almost done. Please let me finish. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> they dance briefly. Cardigan says, saying that she must really hate him. As they line up for the coronation, Judas confused to see Taryn push a piece of Locke's hair behind his ear in an intimate gesture. The crowning ceremony goes as planned until... The crown is placed on Dane's head. Belk and his followers, whom Judas shocked to see, includes Maddock, kill Prince Dane. Belkin wants to assume the throne, but he can't place the crown on his own 
head until all his subjects agree. The visiting fae say that Belkin has three days to get the crown on their head or they will be gone and so will their loyalty. So they all have to swear loyalty to him and someone from his family has to swear loyalty to him as well for him to actually be crowned king or else he can't put the crown on his head. Um, Bro, he killed this, his entire family. So This monarchy hurts my around, brain. Yeah, the only person left alive is Cardigan. Or Cardin. I, again... His name is Cardigan to me. <laughs> <laughs> so fighting occurs and soon of all the Eldred children are dead besides Belkin and Cardigan who are n- Cardigan who's nowhere to be seen. Jude knows she needs to sneak away. Soon the party resumes and she won't be safe. So she runs into a drunk and hiding Cardigan. <laughs> he says that she's very unsafe as immortal. She knows he's quite unsafe being the only one left who can crown Belkin. Jude takes her hair down, steals a mask, then the two of them make their way out. The two guards stop them, but with his party mask, Cardigan can carefully form the sentence, lie, on his way out. I forgot to say that fairies can't lie, so Jude can lie. That's why Dane wanted Dane wanted. Oh. Yeah, because so, yeah. she's like she's like a little bit human, right? Yeah, so no, she is human. Jude is human. That's the craziest part, is that she is fully human. Bro. <sighs> Uh, I, you would think that Vivian would be at least half human. Yeah. It's just confusing. It's confusing. I Anyways, don't know Jude puts him at knife point. Uh, Cardigan at knife throwing and threatens him. She takes him straight to the Court of Shadows. Cardigan's shocked to see that she was a spy for Dane. He's sorry that he was passed out drunk when his family was murdered. They both question each other about whether they knew of Balkan and plan or and that Dane died. Neither did. The ghosts in the roach arrive, wondering why whether Jude is on their side or her father's side. They realize quickly that she wouldn't be here alone if she was on her father's side. She learns that Dane was the one who poisoned <coughs> who poisoned Locke's mother because she was carrying Dane's child. She didn't want his and he didn't want his father to find out. The ghosts, the roach, give Jude twenty four hours and they will hold Cardigan prisoner for her. But if she doesn't return, he'll be their prisoner and they will do with him what they want. Vivi is re- relieved to see Jude when she gets home. Taryn is there with her new fiance. It's Locke. Suddenly, Bro. suddenly the audacity. Jude, Jude works through the little things Locke and his friends said to her and realized that he's played her the whole time. She's furious at both him and Taryn, and she challenges Taryn to a duel. Maddock breaks up their fight and sends them to his office. It's an hour before he arrives. He gives Taryn permission to pursue the relationship with Locke, even though he has misgivings about it. He tells Jude, he asks Jude to tell him where Cardin is, if she knows, because of Taryn's parting words, which says she saw the two of them dancing. Maddox says that she would, <clears throat> Maddox says that she would trade him for any position, she should trade him for any position in Belkin's court, if any man that she, and for any man that she desires. If that's what she came here for, to trade Cardigan for something more useful. Vivi comes to Jude's room and tell her that she noticed she could dodge her command earlier and try to get her to stop fighting with Taryn. Dane's geese is still in place even after he's dead. Vivi asks Jude to run away with her to the human world that night. She asks Taryn too, but she won't reveal the, her answer so Jude can decide for herself. That's the most girl boss move. Slay. 
Jude asks her to give her one day to get things in order, and then she will give her her answer. The next morning, Jude goes to Taryn's room to reconcile her, but finds it empty. She goes to Oriana's room, a place she never visits, to search for Taryn. She sees a golden acorn in her dresser. It's identical to the one she found in Locke's mother's dress. Many things Jude heard and said come together in her mind. She suddenly realizes that Oak isn't Oriana and Maddox's son. He is Prince Danes and Laropi's, Locke's mother's son. Laropi was oh. a consort to the King Eldred at the time as Oriana. She had a tyst with Prince Dane on the side and got pregnant. She was poisoned, but Oriana found her just before after she died and cut the baby out. Oriana instantly married her new bo- her new bae, Madoc, as they cl- and they claimed the baby as their own, their friend's last dying wish, in the letter saying, please take care of him. Maddox did it so someday he could use the boy's blood to take over the throne. Jude realizes that Cardigan isn't the last royal alive. Oak is as well. The theory is that Maddox wants to use Oak on the throne, with him serving as royal regent until Oak comes of age. <clears throat> or if then Oak just may never want the throne and get the throne entirely up to Maddox, because that's still possible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> When Jude goes back to the Court of Shadows and horrified to see Cardigan out of his bonds playing cards with the roach and the ghost when she returns to their lair. She takes Cardigan to a private room where she can question him. He vows to answer anything she asks and she starts mentoring a piece of paper where he wrote her name all over it. She never actually asks, but she never actually asks him a question about this. She asks how long Locke and Taryn have been together. She asks if Cardigan loved Nicasia. He says he did. (coughs) Sorry. Jude asks why he hates her so much. Cardigan says, isn't it, it isn't because, <laughs> sorry, Cardigan says it's because though she is a human, her father loves her and she's not subjected to beatings by her brother, who's younger wow. than her. Um, she asks why he hates her most of all, though. Then she realized there's something else going on. He says it's because even though she's human and he shouldn't, he wants her. She puts down her crossbow and and puts a knife to Cardigan's throat, but instead of hurting him, she kisses him to test him on what they're saying. They both end up lost in the kiss. I hate this book! Dude, it's literally so bad. We're at the end. We're reaching the end, though. Thank God. I don't know if I can take any more. (laughs) At this point, I was like, I'm so done with this book. I'm so done. Jude finally decides that Oak needs to be king. Cardigan can crown him, but first he needs to spend more years living among humans to gain sympathy and have a normal childhood. She goes back to the lair, tells Cardigan about her plan. She asks him to go into her service until Oak is ready to be ferried. Cardigan agrees to back her plan, but will only swear her into her service for one year and one day. So this is like, he cannot break it because he's fairy. She accepts yeah. this bargain. Jude commands Cardigan to stay in the woods for 25 hours to spy on any comings and ingoings. He impressed at how complete her command is. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, she's impressed by how her command is, and there's hardly any room for him, him to go against her will because he agrees with her at this point. Jude goes around trying to draw up support with the other fake courts for crowning Oak as king. It's not easy. She doesn't even make it past the guard at the master of the first court. At Cardigan's astonishment, she tries a lesser known court that isn't favored under the current crown because they have more reason to support an alternate choice for a king. This court agrees to back Jude. Jude goes to, but this court only agrees with the condition that Jude will get a higher court to promise 
to promise loyalty to her and that will help her as well. So she goes to Royben, the leader of a very powerful court, and finally convinces him too. But he will only do it for the promise of a favor from the new king someday. Jews said that it must be as equal value of what he's doing for them, and they agree on the deal. They go back to the lair, get all three on board with their plan, and then she goes home to convince Vivi to take Oak to the human world for several years to raise him and keep him safe. Jude will have the people guarding them for extra safety. She convinces Vivi that Madoc is going to make Oak king anyway, which would put him as regent for years until Oak is ready to rule. Vivi is worried about Madoc's wrath, but Jude says that she has a plan that will keep him going after them. Vivi, that will keep him from going after him. Vivi agrees. Jude sees Taryn in the hallway as she's leaving, but Taryn goes into her room, closes the door without speaking to Jude. So finally, we're in the end, the last, like, 100 or 40 pages. It literally is such a miracle. It has been so long. <laughs> it hurts my brain, this book. Let's get into the end. Everyone is shocked when Cardigan is alive and he shows up to Belkin's banquet with Jude. Belkin and Maddox rush over to them. Cardigan and Jude both play along with their assumptions that Jude completed the task that Maddox gave her in fighting Cardigan and that Cardigan was there to crown Belkin, the brother who raised him, as king. When Jude leaves the party to let the shadow court spied in, Maddox meets her in the hall. She tells him she knows about Oak. She asks him if he can promise that he'll be ready to give up regency when Oak comes of age. He says he cannot promise her that because it would be a lie and fairies can't lie. The two... The two duel. Madoc is better and stronger, but begins to grow weak. Jude poisoned the glass of wine that she offered him earlier that evening. She lets the spies in and drag Madoc to her room to sleep. That part is kind of interesting because he's like, how did you know which glass I take? And she's like, I actually poisoned both of them, but I am too cool to be poisoned. <laughs> it's like, dude, chill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the spies drag Madoc away to a room to sleep. The effects of poison will last for an hour or so. The whole crowd is being seated for dinner when Jude returns. Locke comes over to flirt with her for a second before she's seated. It gives Locke Jude is a- dead to me. I'm tired of Locke. Get him <laughs> out of here. Jude gives it gives Jude a rush and then makes her mad at her own reflection when Cardigan tells her how awful she looks. She also is a little jealous earlier, as when he warns Nakasia to leave or be careful. Just as Belkin rises to speak, the bomb sets off her bomb as promised. She's a spy. I forgot to mention her right now. She sets off a bomb and her nickname is Bomb. <laughs> Dude. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry. She's not that, I can't she's not that important. Roach launches Arrow near Cardigan, persuading everyone that he's trying to kill him. Belkin jumps on top of his brother, making Jude a little sad that her plan turned turned Cardigan against the man who raised him, as cruel as he may have been. Everything is going as planned until Ghost crosses the crown he just stole to Taryn instead of Jude, confused because they are identical. (laughs) He spent all his time with Jude and still doesn't know the difference. That's embarrassing for him, honestly. I'm so tired of this book. It's too late when he realizes his mistake. Jude yells at Taryn to toss the crown to BB, who will hand it to Cardigan and place it on Oak's head, making him king. Karen decides can't decide what to do, dancing between Jude, Vivi, and Belkin. Jude gets the crown from Taryn and asks Cardigan to come over. Vivi walks Oak to stand near them. Jude asks Cardigan to show Oak what he's supposed to do, so he kneels. She commands him to be still for a full minute. When Oak comes over, Jude gives him the crown instead. As they told him to do, he places the crown on Cardigan's head and anoints him the king, unbeknownst to Cardigan. This was Jude's plan all along. Cardigan is furious, but he has to comply for a year and one day. 
He rises as king. No one knows any different. They think it was a plan all along. They all knew before him and promised loyalty to him. The epilogue shows Jude and Vivi shopping for things for Vivi and Oak at Target. They are going to live with Heather until they can Target? get Heather. Target? <laughs> yeah, Heather is Vivi's girlfriend. Out of everywhere? Target. <laughs> like, oh, this is like, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> Jude is sad to leave them, but she knows she has to go home. Oak asks her when he will when he will know when what will he know when will he know that he is ready and he has learned the things she wants him to learn she tells him she will he will know when it's easier for him to stay with the humans than it is to go back to his home and when he's not missing home anymore that's when it's time for him to go back jude returns to her new home at the palace she hasn't spoken to cardigan yet and knows it's time she goes to find him finally comes across him in the throne room he looks regal and every bit king. He says he will play his role and be fun and charming, and she can make decisions behind the scenes. But he tells her, but she knows deep down he'll make her pay for what she's done. She has one year and one day. Then he's under her command, no more. And that's the end of the book. Thank God, bro. <laughs> I can't. It's a I trip. It's, yeah. And I don't think I liked it. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. This book was boring. Reading it, the language was absolutely boring. It's atrocious. I cannot think of a single likable character or an aspect of this book that I like aside from Oak. That's it. Yeah, Oak is cute, but I feel like that's just because he's like a toddler, Loki. There is no dimension of character. No, he's six years old. I have no concept of age. I have no beef with Oak because he's a child. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like no dimension of time at all. Jude is not the complex character that Holly Black thinks she is. She was like, I slayed with this character. No, you did not. She's a terrible yeah. person. She her she whines all the time. She just accepts abuse from people. And it's like, girl. So she not only accepts abuse from other people, but she like sympathizes with the abusers of her friends. No, but also what makes me mad about Sophie, the human who died, is that the contracts, they kidnap humans, but they give them a contract. They'll be like, you will make $10 million, and but you won't remember anything for like five years. That's the deal that they make with humans. And then when they send the humans back to the human world, they don't remember anything. They just have a ton of money. So she broke this girl free with all the memories of her abuse. And she ended up, unfortunately, unaliving herself. And then and also she didn't get any money. Yeah, that's on her hands because she honestly she could have gone back and not known anything because that's what they do. They like trick them into not knowing anything. And that is better than the fate that she suffered because Jude is only concerned about her feelings and how she feels. And yeah, like, yet, she's such a selfish character. She does everything to put herself on top because she wants power. And that's what she says. She's like, I want power. I want to be the strongest of them all. No, it's literally like this entire book is just like a Holly Black being like, oh, I wish I was this cool when I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then adding in like a bunch of random, like the essay and like the, um, uh, she just like going, regular... I feel like she was going for shock value rather than quality yeah. content in her book, which is, no, in 100%. my opinion, is absolutely bizarre. The sexual assault in this book, the abuse, she throws everything in there, and she doesn't even yeah. do it with class. It's just, bam, and it's like it, the book is the exact. The book is still boring if you don't have it in there. 
And it's, it would have been fine without it, too. The only thing that saved this book for me was Taryn's Betrayer. Because I was, I love Messy. I love Messy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, ooh. But even Locke was using her. And in the end, I forgot to say this, but Cardigan was saying something about how <laughs> Locke wanted to have both Taryn and Jude. But they look like the same person. So just well, by her, like, I don't know who to yeah. tell you. And he no, was like, that's I like, just wanted to know if I could conquest both of you. And I'm like, mm, disgusting. No, and it's like, Jude, babe. Girly. No, Jude is literally whiny, selfish. She gets herself into stupid situations and then gets surprised when it goes wrong. She's like, what? If it's not the consequences of my own actions? Yeah. And so is everyone I mean, else in this book. The enemies to lovers in this book is disgusting. It is teaching young girls to just accept what she was sexually assaulted he let that happen and he was yeah he he treated her terribly he tried to kill her he let his friends take i i was baffled baffled yeah no it's so literally like... disgusting it is disgusting i hated this book i hated it's it i cannot so believe so bad TikTok did me dirty with this book. I was like, this is, everyone's like, it's so amazing. Cardigan is so attractive. And it's like, I'm kind of interested to see where the series goes. But at the same time, I cannot go through this again. Like, I literally cannot do this again. This is, like, unforgivable. <laughs> no, it just, it sounds like, it just, it, like, it it's sounds, madness. It's madness. I'm glad that I didn't read it because it just sounds boring. Like It's infuriating to read and it's boring. But it's just, yeah, Cardigan yeah. allows his friends to drug her, sexually assault her, he threatens her, he attempts to kill her, and then he's like, he tries to justify it because he's like, it's because I want you and I shouldn't, and I'm like... Okay, well, you're stupid, so... I literally brain fart. I was like, is this the same book? Is she trying to create a new character? Because it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And the way that Ju just moves on. She has so much trauma, and it's just, like, she it's not realistic. It's not realistic. And I know it's, like, a magic book, and it's fantasy, and it's fiction, but it's, like, people like to see remnants of real life in these books. That's what draws them to it. But this is a terrible depiction of suicide, abuse, enemies to lovers. Like, this is, honestly, this is a knockoff version of The Court of Thorns and Roses, and I wish I was reading Court of Thorns and Roses. And that book isn't even that great, which we will yeah. get into. But, like... This is, like, it's so bad. And it came out after Court of Thorns and Roses, too. So we all knew that Holly Black read the book, and she was like, what if I did she this? She was like, I need to get in on this. Yeah, she's like, what if I did this worse? Yeah. What if I made a book well, so, I think, so filled with so much stuff? I think the difference is... Um, okay, actually, backtracking a little bit, something that it reminds me of, it's just, like, the same, same vibe of, like, 2015 when like the hunger games were at their peak and so everyone was coming out with like divergent and like stuff like that where it's like in the same that was peak literature no i know but i'm saying like and i agree with you (laughs) (laughs) but like we're like it was all like hunger games came out and was popular and everyone saw that and was like oh my gosh like you know like let's like let's capitalize off this and like let's get money but it just seems like Holly just did a bad job of it. She did. Because it it's literally like the same vibe, same same similar vibe, not the same vibe, but like similar vibes as A Court of Thorns and Roses. Except I think that 
Um, Sarah J. Mass does it better, in my opinion. There's yeah, a lot I of think laws in a court of thorns and roses, but in my opinion, Sarah J. Mass's writing is far superior to Holly Black's because she does long, boring district descriptions and just says like she's trying to relate to a younger audience. But we have to remember she is an elder; she's an older woman, and so mm-hmm. reading it is an absolute. It's like it's like reading what my mother thinks <laughs> a sixteen-year-old does. You know what I mean? She has she has ra- raised like sixteen year old girls, but doesn't that doesn't mean she's like on the same level at the age she is now because she's yeah. lived a different life. Personally, I feel Holly Black Holly Black did a really great job at Spiderwick. This book, the series for me, missed the mark already. Um, well, I think really I think she does a pretty good job at just regular like fiction. You know, mm-hmm. like just plain like nothing crazy fiction like YA fiction but it's I think it's the romance that is what's throwing everything off yeah because it's not a romance I think it would if they just never ended up lovers I feel like I would have been better yeah because you know what I'm saying where it's like the the romance is what throws it off that sexual assault Emma if you read it you cannot forget that you cannot forget that yeah, and so it just seems it just seems like she seems like such a two-dimensional character because nothing bothers her. She has no flaws. She's like perfect and cool and whatever. And there, she has no real pride though. Yeah. But I mean like the like she has no like you know what I'm saying other than like the pride, but like I wouldn't even consider that like a fatal flaw. You know what I'm saying? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So but let's like, get into the rating of this book that we have. So out of five stars, I gave it two solely for the fact that I loved the betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> and as for opinion of like whether you should read it or not, I don't believe it deserves hype. I have no opinion. I can see the appeal for some people. Like I can see the appeal for some people, but for me personally, not uh-huh. it. Not it. Um yeah, my review of this book on Goodreads is go into this book knowing that it's a knockoff of A Court in Thorns and Roses, which isn't that great, but miles better than this, and it's just bad. <laughs> the plot feels done before. There isn't a single likable character in this book. <sighs> Hold on. Yeah. If you are looking for enemies to lover, there are better options. Again, A Court of Thorns and Ro- Roses. Cardigan is a terrible person. There's not a single redeemable quality in him. I'm only rating this three stars instead of one because of that twist that made things messy between sisters. And I love a good mess. That's my... Um, there is about... This book is rated four stars on Goodreads and about 767,143 ratings. Yeah. No, I just... 71,000 reviews. It's it. yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to rate it because I haven't read it. But, but based on what you heard, how do you feel? It's like a solid one star. Like I Which don't is- remember I uh, no, what not one star. It's a solid You have one, to give it a star though. We can't No, but I'm saying no, I'm not giving a half star. <laughs> I'm saying it's a solid it's a solid one angsty orphan. Fair. You know, Fair. like it's not like I could live my life. I nothing would be different if I didn't if I never heard about this book. Um, it seems boring. It seems like there was no thought that went into it. It's something that I probably like. It's similar to something that I probably wrote when I was in middle school and in my journalism and book writing author era. You know what I'm saying? 
that's that's how it like comes across to me and obviously like i haven't read it so i can't give yeah. like a full out of the two books we discussed in this episode i definitely think that six of crows is the far superior book no 100 um, percent. yeah that being said we're gonna turn this into somewhat of a series a two-parter maybe even a little more parted because we do have a lot so again upcoming is bones and all the summer i turned pretty it ends with us, Court of Thrones and Roses, Shatter Me, Kane's Jawbone, If He Had Been With Me, Bridgerton, and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. So maybe we'll do um, two books in a part. So Yeah, that, for sure. That seems doable. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy it. We will come back. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah. We're not going to leave you guys hanging like last time. We promise. Last time we left you guys with a part one of Divergent. Um, not even part two. <laughs> It's still, I don't it's still somewhere I, on my computer. The lost episode. Maybe we'll never release it. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? I don't even know where it is. So I'm so excited to be back, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fun. Like, I I think now that I'm in like a better headspace, um, kind of back into a flow with like work and social life and stuff like that. Um, because I think we started it like at the beginning of quarantine, mm-hmm. maybe. I can't remember. It's <laughs> so long yeah. ago. Um, and that was like the height of my mental illness. Same here. Same here. So I was like dying. Thanks for and... being back. I'm so proud of you for coming Dude, back. Yeah, me too. I'm glad I'm doing better because, man, that was yeah. not a good time. Yeah. So, anyway. So, follow the podcast on Reddish Podcast on platforms. I think we're on everything except for Spotify. We got kicked off. I'm working on getting us back. Um, I have a good reads. I don't know Emma's good reads, but mine is just Amanda DeLeon, Reddish Podcast. And then on, on Instagram, we are Reddish Podcast. Um, Twitter, I think we're Reddish with two S's. No, with two H's. That's my dog. Ignore her. (laughs) (laughs) And we will be on TikTok soon. Um, Yeah, we're working on building our socials. socials. And I'm really excited. I do have a lot of plans for you, Miss Emma, and for our thing. (laughs) So, you guys, I'm super excited for the year that we're going to have. So, stay tuned. No, me too. It'll be right. it'll be a fun time. It'll be a um, fun I'm time. excited to see like where we kind of go with this. Um, like Amanda said at the beginning ish, um, if you have any book suggestions, literally DM us, us on like know. Instagram, DM Twitter. My D- I think my Instagram is Amanda DD three. I don't know Emma's if you feel comfortable sharing that. But yeah, I mean we could you could honestly just DM the, uh, the podcast. podcast instagram or and i definitely Twitter. plan on doing an audience like a choice episode yeah at some point at some point we do so. have a plan so it's <laughs> again our next books are going to be bones and all and some return pretty series and that's all we have time for guys see you next time yeah merry christmas letters, or letters. happy yeah holidays. merry christmas happy that's Hanukkah. So crazy love the jews I love the Miami Choir Boys, guys. I'm not even kidding you. They were on my Apple Music Wrapped. Honestly, swag. Swag. Yeah, no. Um, happy holidays, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Um, Merry Christmas. By the time that we put this we'll up, I think <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that Hanukkah will be over. <laughs> but but I hope you had a great Hanukkah. Nonetheless, nonetheless. And. To all to that German who listened to our podcast. I'm I'm so excited for this content for you, babes.
No, literally. <laughs> I don't even know how we got over there, honestly. No, he literally listened. I saw on our Spotify rap that he listened to the first episode like three or five times. Honestly, good for him. I'm glad good he enjoyed him. it. I don't know if it's he. We'll just call him they. Oh, I'm glad they enjoyed it. Non-binary queen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, see you guys next time. Love you. Later. Bye. Slay the nerds. <laughs>